is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, hello there and welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mader. Thank you all for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and hit the bell notification to get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can also stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app. It's week three. Almost in the books. We still have a Monday doubleheader to go through. The Sunday night game is going on as we speak, but we want to get these Sunday recap action games out to you. Of course, we always drop our little waiver wire rankings uh, you know, clip on Instagram and TikTok when you follow us at MDFF Show, also on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show. Make sure you give us a follow there. We'll give you our waiver wire rankings. And then, as always, we come back on Wednesdays at 9:30 with the Operation Domination, the full preview episode of the entire week and then we cap it off the week with our thursday episode of with mr brian scott the injured podcast and Chaz velarde of sports betting weekly we do a little bit of it all here at the md's fantasy football show but tonight is about recapping it's about calling ourselves out where we were right where we were wrong our heroes and zeros our observational notes of things we have to take with us moving forward into the following week to keep getting better trends to look for buys to have sells to sell high oh it's all that in a bag of nuts and it's only we're only now just about to end week three about to go into week four just one month of the season is almost in the books and yet this is where we are already this is why we love the game of fantasy football so with no further ado let's go ahead and jump into it we will have chase thornton on the show at some point today i promise you that but until he's here let's jump into our first matchup which was the thursday night game Of course, we had the San Francisco 49ers taking on the New York Giants. The 49ers handling business in this one. And as you can imagine, we definitely have a lot of notes that we have to take out and some heroes and zero calls. So let's get it. Heroes and zeros. Zero heroes. All right, let's 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 get into those uh let's get into those uh, zeros first. Where were we wrong? And we were wrong on Darren Waller. Now I know. It was not a great matchup to begin with, right? With Darren Waller, we knew it was going to be tough for him against the San Francisco 49er team that's been tough against tight ends, well, frankly, for years. But he was still my tight end four, still expected to be a top five guy. I thought without Saquon Barkley, there would be no one else for them to go to with the ball, no one else for them to throw the ball to. What I did not anticipate, and maybe I should have, was the Giants just flat out not doing anything offensively all night long. Darren Waller finished the game with seven targets. You'll take that for the tight end, but only three catches and 20 yards. And frankly, outside of one game so far this season, has not been the dynamic playmaker that we were hoping he would be. Yes, he's still dealing with the hamstring issue. That could be part of it here. But we need more production out of a guy we expected to be a top five tight end so far this year. So let's go ahead and uh, let's, let's, let's switch gears a little bit and go from our heroes and zeros, or our zeros, to our heroes. Who is our right calls of the week? Well, that makes it easy. Debo Samuel, 12 targets, six receptions, 129 yards, one touchdown on the week. 
There was no Brandon Ayuk after Brandon Ayuk was officially rolled out. I had moved Debo Samuel up in my rankings, my wide receiver seven overall, and that looks like it's going to pay off in a big way. We saw the Monday night games to go, but he's definitely going to finish inside the top 10 with that huge game. My other hero was George Kittle. Had him ranked inside my top six uh, actually, top five, excuse me, of tight ends. Again, when Brandon Ayuk came out, I moved him up my ranks. He was a top five tight end for me. Even got the George Kittle jersey on tonight. If you're watching our YouTube stream, that's right. Nine targets, seven catches, 90 yards. Will it take an injury for George Kittle to be relevant? Most likely, because when they have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, Chris McCaffrey all out there, well, George Kittle, frankly, has to help out that offensive line. But when they need him to be one of the pass catchers because someone's injured, and someone usually is, that's why George Kittle was a right call here for us. So while we turn down the music a little bit, we can get to our observational notes while simultaneously bringing in our man of the hour, Mr. Chase Thornton. Chase, how are we doing today, brother? Well, we're we're here. We didn't travel it all day. Long family trip and uh, busy weekend, but we made it. Took a little longer than we expected, but here we are ready to talk some football. Hey, better late than never. You're just in time for my observational notes or our observational notes for the Giants 49ers Thursday night game. Do you have any observational notes? I'd like to kick this to you if you do. Uh, ouch. Ouch. I mean, we knew it was going to be rough for the Giants facing the you know 49ers defense, but holy cow, man. Come on. Figure it out, boys. <laughs> you got to put up a little bit more of a fight than that. Uh yeah, I, I mean, I didn't. The heroes were all on the 49ers side. The zero was pretty much any any giant player not named Brita, and that's only because he <laughs> did at least something with the what seven carries he had, that he had or something at least. Yeah, yeah, he had a touchdown. Just yeah, brutal. Yeah, and no, it was. My observational note is is I'm going to keep hammering the same thing I've been hammering about Dale Jones this entire time. If they play against a bottom 20 defense, you can stream him as a top 12 option. That'll be there. But if they play a if they play a defense that's competent or an elite defense, he has to be on a bench. That's why he is a pro streamer. He's a pro streamer because I know when to use him. There's a lot of streaming quarterbacks out there. You don't always know when to use them. The one thing I'll give Jones, I know when to use him. I know when not to use him for fantasy football purposes. That's really all we can ask for. And other, in I'm, his and in his defense for the other for the other night too, though, and for the last couple of weeks, I mean, their offensive line is an absolute mess right now. Thanks no, to it's a I mean, but you are correct that his usability right now is next to nil unless he's facing a porous defense. Yeah, it, it, it's their offensive line is like in shambles right now. The whole left side of the line was banged up, and even Evan Neal got banged up the other day. And and even when they're out there and they're healthy, they're they're underachieving. There's a lot of top draft capital in that offensive line. It's not playing up to par. It's not getting developed. Whether that's the players' fault, whether it's the coaching staff's fault, that's something that has to get figured out big time for this team if they're ever going to improve, especially this year. My other observational note for this game is that even with Elijah Mitchell getting worked in more, CMC still went over. 20 touches in a blowout win. And I think that's the key point there. They they had no reason really to play McCaffrey that much in the second half if they did not want to. And he still got over 20 touches in a blowout win and Elijah Mitchell got worked in. So that has to bode well for you guys. If you have CMC that you know now, even if Mitchell gets worked in there, you don't have to worry that much about what CMC's ceiling is week in and week out. What do you think, Chase? No, no, I, I right. Yeah, I mean... The guy's been, we've known this, we've known this for years now with, with CMC. When he's healthy, there's literally no other player in fantasy football like him. 
He's got to be out there. I'm not worried about Elijah Mitchell, even if Elijah Mitchell is completely healthy. I'm not worried about Debo Samuel taking away points from him. We saw the, we saw Thursday night. They're both capable of getting points, especially with without Brandon Ayuk around. Um, no, there, there's almost no more sure bet in in all of fantasy sports than CMC if healthy. Yeah, 100%. Let's go to our next game. <laughs> The Cleveland Browns took care of business against the Tennessee Titans at home. They bounced back really well after the Monday night debacle that they had with the Steelers and coming off the Nick Chubb injury, which, by the way, before I even get to our heroes and zeros, some pretty relatively good news about Nick Chubb. Torn MCL, partially torn ACL, but like less than a year recovery, like feeling like pretty good that we could get the Nick Chubb not only back next season, but maybe even still the Nick Chubb of old. How incredible is that? No, that that based on those some of the pictures that we saw, I mean, they refused to show the replay on the game the other night. And yeah, based on but based on some of the pictures that you can find on social media and around, you could not have told me that that thing wasn't at least as messed up as as like what we heard about Javante Williams knee from right. and that. I mean, you couldn't have told me. And for him to come out of it with literally by all by by most accounts, almost like the best case scenario. Complete miracle. Happy for him that it sounds like his career should be able to continue. Um, you know, he's, he's a young man. So, he, I mean, hopefully he's, you know, he's good that way. But, I mean, it's just that was awesome news to see. It was actually one of the shocking headlines, most shocking headlines, I think, of of the season thus far is that somehow Nick Chubb's injury was not as bad as expected. Yeah, 100%. So, but we do got to talk about our right and wrong calls, our heroes and zeros. Heroes and zeros. We always have to start off with the zeros, unfortunately. And uh, I do have Deshaun Watson as a zero for me. Now, his stat line wasn't terrible. It was 289 yards and two touchdowns. But Deshaun Watson is an idiot wrapped in a moron. I don't, Chase, I don't know if you saw that play today. No. But he turned around, and if you guys didn't see it, he was making a play where he was, he was under pressure. The, got, the defensive end was bearing down on him. Elijah Moore had done a motion where he was behind him. And instead of just taking the sack or throwing the ball away, he turns around and throws the ball backwards to Elijah Moore, five yards away from him, and just puts the ball out there on the ground. Even the defensive line was mocking him and saying, how stupid are you, man? Like, the one guy's, like, not, like knocking on his head when he walks up to him. It was, oh, my. So his stat line's not terrible. They clearly came in with the game set that they were going to have Deshaun Watson throw them the victory, given the match against Tennessee Titans. But he is an idiot wrapped in a moron, and I don't care. The stat line looked better than it was Monday night. I am still very afraid of Deshaun Watson. I did have him ranked still as a top-12 quarterback. He might finish in that area, but, man, I don't want to go anywhere near him anytime soon. Do you have a zero in this game? I don't think we were expecting a ton out of anybody on the, on the blue side of the football there, but I mean, Ryan Tannehill leading that team to literally the lowest offensive output of their uh, franchise history. You can debate whether you want to go back to the Oilers or not, but since they've been in Tennessee, at least worst offensive game of their entire existence, uh, 94 yards for a, for a professional football team. That's, that's tough to do that. That's hard to do. <laughs> it's, it's beyond pathetic, man. I mean, my zero staying on the offense. I have one more zero is Derrick Henry. 11 carries, yeah. 20 yards. Yeah. It's not all his fault. He is a little bit banged up dealing with the toe issue. That offensive line is the worst in all of the NFL. 
They have to figure something out. You have Derrick Henry, you have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Traylon Burks. This should not be this bad of a team. They no, have my, to figure out my thirds, my other zero I had was yeah, offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. I yeah. literally have his name down in the notes. I, I liked him coming out of Houston, but so far what I've seen with Tennessee, there is no no creativity, no clue on how to get these guys featured and rolling in the right direction. Okay, let's 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 switch gears here over to our heroes of the game. For me, that's Amari Cooper. Seven catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. It doesn't matter if Deshaun's stupid. It doesn't matter if Deshaun's playing poorly. It doesn't matter if Amari Cooper's banged up. Because remember, he was banged up coming into this game with a groin shoulder issue. He finds a way to get the job done. So Amari Cooper, who I still had as a top 20 play this week, proving to me that it doesn't matter what Deshaun Watson does, he can get the job done. Uh, yeah, Mark Cooper, fantastic day. Uh, I like Jerome Ford as a hero for uh, for justifying our faith in him and coming through there, justifying the Browns' faith in him, I think, as well. Uh, he looks like he'll be a solid starter going forward on a team that you know can and wants to run the ball, on a team that wants to throw the ball to the running back. Uh, I'm not worried. I'm still not worried about Kareem Hunt. I think that uh, you know Jerome Ford proved that it's his, it's his job and it should be his job today. And so uh, for those of you who – Spent and paid through the nose on the waiver wire for him. Congratulations, you got something. Yeah, I, I turned the music down because that's that's Jerome Ford being one of my observational notes of the day. Yeah. Um, his he did save his day with two touchdowns because it really wasn't pretty otherwise. You know, no. only ten carries, didn't have a lot of yardage. It is against a good Tennessee matchup though, so it was a little bit. It's it's rough for runners to get going. And like I said before, Cleveland clearly came in with the mindset that they were just going to throw their way out of this game. They weren't even going to bother the run. I mean, he had. I think the team as a whole had like ten carries in the first half. Like it just yeah. wasn't part of the game plan this week. So I'm not reading too much into that. The uses was there. Uh, Kareem Hunt worked in a little bit Pierre Strong worked in a little bit although mostly when the game was already well in hand at that point again the coast of cream hunt does not scare me so Jerome Ford yeah looking good and I would say this even though he couldn't get the ball going on the ground does have the rushing touchdown for the second week in a row gets a receiving touchdown it looked pretty good on a nice little wheel route there too so I like what I'm seeing out of him being able to go all three downs and both rushing and receiving usage uh, my other observational note is that the tight besides you know Tim Kelly? We kind of just talked about that. They have to figure out something with that offensive line. I, I don't know if it's changing the scheme or just you know per, plucking anybody and anyone who's on the practice squad and saying, Here, we got to try out midseason to find right. five new guys. Whatever the case is, they got to figure out a way to block something up front to get Derrick Henry going in hopes the rest of the offense can get going. Uh, do you have any other notes for this game? No, no. I think you hit it on the head there. That I mean, that Tennessee team will go absolutely nowhere. And if they're not careful with that offensive line, he's already banged up. They're going to lose Derrick Henry as well. Yeah, 100%. Let's go to our next match. Detroit Lions made my bet look good here. Took care of business against the visiting Atlanta Falcons, 20 to six. Absolutely no problems whatsoever. But we do have some heroes and zeros. Heroes and zeros. Starting off with the zeros, as we have to do, we have to keep ourselves accountable here, Chase. So, yes, I'm not the only person that had Bijan Robinson ranked inside of his top five, but I am one of the few people that had Bijan Robinson ranked as number two heading into the week. I just looks like a special player. You'll be a special player. Days be- better days are ahead. The Atlanta Falcon offense as a whole kind of just dropped the ball in this one. But 10 carries, 33 yards, six targets, four catches, 27 yards. 
Yes, Detroit's defense is better than it has been in years past. It shouldn't look like a world beater against the top running back. So, sorry, guys. Maybe should have been a little more skeptical about B. John Robinson. Do you have a zero, Chase? Uh, yeah, well, Drake London, what, what do you have? Two, two catches for 21 yards, I think. Nice. I mean, still a guy that, that you know, is supposed to be a weapon, should be a weapon, needs to be catching more than two passes. Now, that's not necessarily all his fault, but... I mean, for fantasy purposes, he's he's about unusable right now too. Just about just about anybody on this offense not named Bijan Robinson is pretty unusable for because you can't tell from week to week if anybody's going to do anything or not. No, one hundred percent. I did have one more zero in this game. I got to own up to this one. I am the one who pushes this the most. Josh Reynolds wasn't even on the stat sheet today. Now. He did have playing time. It was a little bit limited because of the shoulder issue that he's been dealing with all week long. So that had played some part of it. And Khalif Raymond wound up being the second receiver to Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, but this is the, I will say this, at least in my defense, this is the first week Josh Reynolds has bottomed out. I've been 20 yep. spots ahead of the ECR every single week so far this season. It worked out the first two weeks. This week, however, big goose egg. So I got to own that one myself. What are you gonna do? All right, so let's switch gears here. Let's go to our let's go to our heroes. Let's go to some of our right calls. Sam Laporta. Guess what? I've been ahead of him on ECR for the last three weeks, and this week it really paid off. Eleven targets, eight catches, eighty-four yards, and a receiving touchdown. Redefining what it means to be a rookie tight end right now is Sam Laporta. Like it. I had him ranked ahead of Dalton Kincaid in my draft rankings, and that's looking good here too. Chase, what was your hero for this game? Yeah, I, I had Laporta on my list too. Just what a man. He looks like he's a legitimate weapon for that. I mean, and honestly, he stole some of the thunder that might have been Josh Reynolds's. I mean, because he's just yeah. he's he's so reliable as as a rookie and as a tight end coming in the league like that. I mean, we knew this team wanted to use their tight ends, but I mean that kid hit the ground running. He he just hasn't stopped yet. Um the other uh the other uh, winner from today, I would say, is that Detroit DST, though. If anybody took the chance on them and started them, well, they have seven sacks today. They just pounded the living hell out of that Falcons team. And so, uh, I mean, yeah, they, they looked good. They looked good all around. Like you said, probably looked a little better than we anticipated them looking. They, nobody really expected that from them. But uh, come on, Falcons, you got to do better. They do have to go, do better. And that actually goes right into my observational notes perfectly is – while Atlanta is two and one and, and Ritter won't be benched as a result, I do think with each week, I get closer and closer to the feeling that we will see Taylor Heineke start games for the Atlanta Falcons at some point this season. He's terrible. 5.2 yards per target per, per pass attempt again today was actually his first week getting over like 200 yards passing basically and had, you know, had to do it, attempt th- the ball 38 times, only completed 21 of them. He's garbage. Flat out, anytime he has to attempt a pass more than ten yards down the field, it's off target. It's a duck. Like I think, I think I saw him throw one good throw for fifteen yards in today's game, and over the middle, that was about it. If it's not like within five to seven yards, if it's not a dump off to Bijan Robinson, Desmond Ritter doesn't see the field. He doesn't get the ball out of his hands. He just doesn't provide you with anything. And Arthur Smith's not doing him any favors. I think I have a lot of problems with Arthur Smith as a play caller, and this game showed you even more so as, as to why that is. But for a team that pretty much has to make the playoffs, otherwise their coach might be on the hot seat. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. We see Taylor Heineke start games. Like I said, not yet. They're two and one. But if they if he keeps playing like he is, they're not going to have a winning record for long. 
Yeah. And like, I mean, one note, one note that I had too, on a day that we had said was do or die for Kyle Pitts, you had to see something out of him. He actually didn't perform too terribly. What are you, five catches, 41 yards, something like that? I mean, he got you nine something yeah, points. Which, there. Yeah, yeah, you know. But who the hell invited Jonu Smith to this freaking party? Because <laughs> if Jonu Smith isn't there taking five catches of his own away from him, and those points are going to, if you could spread those out to, to Kyle Pitts, and I know you have Sands and Butts and all that, but I mean, God dang, Jonu Smith is about the one guy in this offense that is doing something consistently. Well, it's because he's Arthur Smith's guy. This is this is my problem with Kyle Pitts coming into it. It wasn't just that the quarterback's bad. I don't trust Arthur Smith. It's that he brought in Janu Smith. Who I'm like, Janu Smith's gonna be annoying to Kyle Pitts. I, I already guarantee it because Arthur Smith has his guy. He knows what Janu Smith does, and he fits the bill of an mm-hmm. Arthur Smith who doesn't have creativity. So using a prototypical positional player right. is going to become more natural to him when he's making these play calls up. Now they did. They definitely try to have an emphasis to get Pitts the ball. Like I said, they had nine targets. It wasn't terrible, but they went out of their way to get him the ball, and it still wasn't good against what is, okay, at best, maybe an average defense. Let's get really hard about the Detroit Lions. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the we, we keep hearing, we hear so much in, around the league about this move towards, like, position-less football and players that are versatile and can do everything. Kyle Pitts is one of those guys. He's he's one of those guys we always say, oh, he's a tight end, but he's, he's really a wide receiver in a tight end spot or whatever. He's, he's a super jacked wide receiver kind of thing. Arthur Smith doesn't know how to use that. So he goes to the, as you said, the traditional tight end, the traditional kind of guy, a guy he knows in John U. Smith. He understands how to call plays for that guy and how to get that guy involved in the offense. He's not sure what to do with his super weapon that he has sitting right in front of him in Kyle Pitts, where, I mean, we can probably sit here right off the top of our head and name 10 other, you know, 10 other spots that we could put Kyle Pitts in. That would be, he'd be absolute lightning in a bottle. Yeah, 100%. So, Yep. Let's just go to our next matchup here. Chase, your Green Bay Packers pulled off a comeback of the year so far. Eight points in the fourth quarter to win the game 18 to 17. Let me get your reaction on that before we get into it. Yeah, it was it was not looking pretty early. I mean, it didn't necessarily look pretty late as they as they made it happen, and they did need a missed field goal at the end there to kind of uh, preserve it and pull it off. But hey, uh, they put themselves in that position. They got themselves out of that position. They put themselves in position to win it, even by with the missed field goal, and and they pulled it off. Uh, it's a nice deal for him in his first uh, home start. That was the first time he'd actually started a game at Lambeau. So uh, it's nice to give the fans something to to cheer about and go. I'm happy about it. Didn't have to be a pretty win. Keep in mind. Uh, you know, he's missing his top wide receiver, his top running back, uh, the entire left side of his line, who are both pro bowlers in Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Um, they lost, you know, a couple of guys uh, in the middle of the game then too, as well. Uh, yeah, it wasn't pretty, but it's a win. Uh, it's better than what they're doing down in Chicago. It's better than how they're doing over in Minnesota right now. Um, and so far, at least it's on par with what's been happening in Detroit. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm thrilled with it. Uh, even though fantasy wise, there wasn't a ton to cheer about necessarily in the game. There wasn't. So let's get to our heroes and heroes zeros. and zeros. Zero, zero. So our zero, my zero in this game. I don't even like. I don't want to call this guy a zero because I hate him so much. As it is, but <laughs> AJ Dillon, I have Aaron Jones not playing. It's a tough match against Saints, but Aaron Jones not playing. AJ Dillon has to sneak his way up into like my top twenty-four-ish area. 
I don't want to do it. I hate it every single second of it that is there. And then what does he do? He gives you 11 carries for 33 yards. And I sit there and think to myself, I should have just made him like my RB 40. Anyway, wow. <laughs> like it's just, it's just so bad with AJ Dillon. So I'm at the point now where look, AJ Dillon, I don't even know if he's a handcuffed Aaron no, Jones. We're seeing not. that with Aaron Jones out. I still don't want to play AJ Dillon. No. No, and that's that's the problem is he's he's literally not even a handcuff. A handcuff by definition is somebody you can play if the starter goes down. And fantasy-wise, you cannot count on AJ Dillon for for anything now. Now, would it shock anybody if Jones is out next week and Dillon comes out and runs for two scores and catches a screen pass for 15 yards and a score? No, it wouldn't shock anybody. We've seen him do it before. But the problem is you have to be able to rely on that. You have to be able to know that. We don't know that with him. He's not a handcuff right now. He's he's borderline unrosterable right now, uh, except for the fact that he's Aaron Jones backup. No, he, he, was my, he was my biggest zero of the day. I almost wonder if we should be doing this right now. Prepare to be flushed. As crazy as that seems, I feel I'm like... I'm not standing in your way. Yeah, I <laughs> like AJ Dillon. Like, I don't even want you on my team. I don't want the headache of you. That pretty much what it boils down to as bad as the running back position is. All right, let, let's uh, let's cue up the music here for our heroes because I do have a hero, and that is Chris Olave. Even though he had to deal with two different quarterbacks today, he still comes away with 11 targets, nine catches, 108 yards. And just watching this guy play football, man, he's just a superstar in the making, and there's absolutely no question about it. He makes everything look so natural, look so smooth. I don't care. We'll, we'll talk about Derek Carr in a second. I don't care who the quarterback is. I'm not worried about Chris Olave. Who's your hero in this game, Chase? Uh, Romeo Dobbs kind of uh, redeemed himself on the stat sheet this week after after putting up a horrendous score last week. Five catches, 73 yards, and a score. Um, you know, got right back up there in startable territory for you. Again, uh, we kind of mentioned this on the Wednesday night show that uh, we think that you know when Watson comes back, I think it's a net positive for Romeo Dobbs as he won't have to be the focal point anymore. And when he's not having to be the focal point, he can just be the guy that keeps catching first downs all day, all night long. So uh, I, you know, I'm, I was really encouraged by what I saw from him. Good bounce back game reports of his demise were greatly exaggerated, but Romeo Dobbs is my other hero because I agree with completely on Olave. He's still, he, unlike Garrett Wilson, who struggled, who has struggled so far. We'll get to him later, but uh, you know, Olave, like you said, Charged right through the changing quarterback, just kept right on going. Yeah, absolutely love that. Yeah, so let's get to our observational notes here. Derek Carr obviously earned, injured his shoulder. The good news is that it's only going to be an AC joint sprain. They were, it seemed like they might have been a little bit worried about it. did he break his collarbone or dislocate his shoulder? Like it's, it seemed like there was some concern for it to be more serious than what it wound up being. So that's the good news. He still might be out a week, two, something along those lines. So we might be seeing Jameis Winston. The good news is that we know as much as Jameis Winston drives a lot of people crazy. He's usually still pretty good for his wide receiver. So from a fantasy perspective, not overly concerned about having to have Jameis Winston back there. So that, that was the one note, obviously. The other one was about Jordan Love. So he has a signature comeback, no doubt about it, in this game. But through three games, a 53% completion percentage. Now, yes, he has not had Aaron Jones for all those games. He hasn't had Christian Watson for any of those games. So things can still get better. But he's still not playing very good football. I'd love to get your take as a Packer fan here. Well, the other thing you got to keep in mind, too, though, is that he's got a very, very young receiving core. They're not necessarily always running the correct routes. They're not necessarily always running the sharpest routes. Now, they have to get on the same page with each other. 
Uh, I think that'll develop as time goes on. I mean, we'll probably see that improve in, in terms of his connection with his receivers. We'll probably see that improve through the course of the year demonstrably, let alone year over year. So I'm not worried yet about the, it's a very low completion percentage. You cannot be below 60% in the NFL quite obviously, but with the young receiving core that he has with all the problems that they've had along that offensive line and that yet, um, I don't think they've put together a complete game at their capacity yet. I, I think better things are to come from him. And as long as he's going to keep scoring touchdowns, whether he's running them in or throwing them, you know, Hey, he's still, he's still a usable piece right now. No, yeah, no, 100, 100%. He was, he was still on my waiver wire rankings list last week. That's not going to change. Uh, do you have any other observational note? Uh, just, yeah, ouch. Rashid Shahid probably should have made a, a zero list too because he was a literal zero. Now, listen, I know he ran the big punt return touchdown back. 98% of our scoring hey, systems aren't going to count that for him. Was that? Well, they'll, they'll count the touchdown. I think most platforms count the touchdown, don't they? They'll count it for the, a lot of platforms will count it for the New Orleans DST as a punt return touchdown. As a punt return touchdown, that counts as a DST score. Well, that that I know in every platform, yeah. but a lot of platforms I play in, Rashid Shahid did okay. get credit for the tu- not the yards, but he did get the six points for the touchdown. So he had something to show okay. for him. Well, because because a lot of the, a lot of the platforms that I see and a lot of the, and I know a lot of the public ones, they don't count. They'll they'll only count that for the DST. Interesting. So I mean, but in terms of receiving and rushing, he didn't have anything, which is kind of a shocker. Um, Jameis Winston, like you said, if he's going to be the quarterback for the next two weeks, he is like kind of a sit back there and chuck it. And we know he's got the arm to throw it deep. And we know that's what Rashid Shahid does well, uh, with Mike Thomas healthy for the next 15 minutes, at least with Chris Olave, uh, this offense might not miss a whole lot of, uh, you know, might, we, we might still be able to use these receiving pieces in the next couple of weeks, even without Derek Carr, because we've seen Jameis Winston put up numbers before. If you're playing a New Orleans receiver, you don't care necessarily if Jameis throws three interceptions in a game as long as he gets your guy five catches for 89 yards and a score. So No, it's true. I will point this out, though. When Once Jameis Winston came into the game, he only targeted Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Juwan Johnson. He literally did not target another player on the same mm-hmm. from then on out. So something to kind of watch there. Let's go into our next match. <laughs> The Miami Dolphins scored 70 points against the Denver. 70 to 20 was the yeah. first, like, fourth time in history. The team had 70 more. And they, if, if Mike McDaniel wanted to, he could have kicked a field goal and, and broken the record. A 73 would have been the record for the mm-hmm. NFL. He could have done it, decided not to do it. Uh, but 70 to 20. Okay. So on that note, because we just let's just get let's just get to it. And believe it or not, we do have a wrong call here that I still have to talk about. Heroes and zeros. Okay, my my zero for this game has to be Javante Williams. Now, while he has increased his playing time each week, and he did it again this week, he played even a little bit further ahead and snap count wise of Samaja Perrine. Through the first three weeks, he's been somebody who's been getting No more than 14 opportunities per game. He's getting somewhere between 40 and 60 total yards and not getting a touchdown off of that. So from a fantasy perspective, Javante Williams has not really been somebody you've been wanting in your lineup. I keep ranking him as a high-end RB3, as a flex play, and it's just been minimal production for three weeks in a row. Now, I'm going to throw this out there. They do have the Chicago Bears next week, so I'm probably going to have him ranked (laughs) 24 again. Next week. So hold. 
But yes, I have to own Javante Williams. Maybe I had to stop being so aggressive on him every single week. Do you have a zero in this game? Well, you know, I think I think Javante Williams, you know, has to be like on that zeros list. I mean, I think a big part of it is we keep thinking, well, it's a Sean Payton running back. It's a Sean Payton running back. It's a Sean Payton. That's great, but it's not a Sean Payton running back from his New Orleans days. This is a Sean Payton running back here in Denver, where literally nothing has worked for the last two years. Um, I, I still can't stand Nathaniel Hackett, but maybe, perhaps, possibly, he wasn't the entirety of the problem, or maybe he was such a big part of the problem that it's freaking carrying over. Who knows? But this Bronco team is broken. They have this, these Broncos have been broken. Um, honestly, I'm not sure I want a whole lot of pieces of this offense right now. Uh, like you said, they're facing Chicago next week. I think your biggest hope is that Javante has a good game next week, and you could maybe sell him off high after a, after a big game and get somebody that's a, that's going to be a little more consistent because I don't trust anything about this offense in Denver right now. And yes. Sean Payton and running backs is typically fantasy gold, but we just have not seen that ability from this team yet. So I think you're hoping he goes off against Chicago. You can sell him for something a little more consistent is what I would be looking for. Yeah, it's hard to argue. I love Javante Williams. I don't like selling off guys I think have true true talents, but uh, I can't argue with you. It's, it's not something you really want a ton of right now. All right, let's, let's switch it up to our heroes. Um... The entire Dolphins offense yes. <laughs> is, is a hero. I mean, it wasn't like I had, like, you know, I, I had Reem Mostert ranked pretty high going into this week. I had Tua right. Tagovailoa, of course, in the top 10. They have Tyree Kills, my number two receiver. So it was like everybody kind of did what you hope for as far as, like, oh, you got a lot of fantasy points. It's just, you know, you put, put up 70 points. It's unheard of. Uh, I, I guess I could have said Devon A-Chain was a zero because bad on me for ranking him in my 50s at the running back position <laughs> when he dropped 53 We all points. did. Yeah, like, so, like, whoops, <laughs> didn't know. So, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second in the observational notes to get into a little bit more about that. But, yeah, the entire Dolphins offense, shout out to you guys. You put up 70 points. I don't know. Do you have anything that's more? No, that that was literally my note was just anybody in teal and white today. Um, somebody put a tweet out, and I, I apologize for not remembering who it was, but at one point today, the top five of the top five fantasy scores on the day, four of them were dolphins. The only interloper was Keenan Allen who had a great day himself with 200 yards. But I mean, what more can you say about what that team did against, against what is generally assumed to be a halfway. Okay. Defense in Denver. Yeah. 100%. We got a question coming in here from uh, Troy Jamerson, uh, Travis Etienne and Pittman for Stefan Diggs. Uh is this full point PPR? If it's full point PPR, I would I would think about it, but I don't know if I'm giving up Travis Etienne right now. There are so few running backs that are RB1s or true top 10 running backs that are even healthy at the moment. And Travis Etienne, we haven't gotten to that game yet, but he is being a workhorse back. That is how he's being utilized. Hank Bigsby is getting a handful of snaps here and there. That's it. He had 50, like Travis Etienne had 57 snaps today. Uh, it's non-PPR. That that makes me even say no to this even more than. There's no way I'm giving up Travis Etienne um, for that. I can understand wanting Stefan Diggs. Uh, just Etienne, you want Pittman and package him with somebody else for Stefan Diggs? That's fine. Etienne would not be part of that deal for me. I don't, Chase, do you see it the same way? Then, I mean, without a ton more context, no, I'm, I'm inclined to say the same thing. I mean, yeah, Stefan Diggs is an upgrade over Pittman, even though Pittman's, Pittman's had decent, he had decent usage and it looks like he's got a nice connection with Anthony Richardson. If Anthony Richardson is going to be healthy, 
but like you said, Travis Etienne, he's uh, he's a workhorse back there. He's a bell cow. Uh, he's going to get touches. He gets touches all over the field, and that offense is going to see better days as well. They didn't have a great day today, but uh, yeah, you're you'd be severely weakening your running back room for uh, for an upgrade at, at wide receiver. I'm not sure it's worth the trade off. No, that not right now. Not with the, not with the you know the the status that the running backs are in the NFL right now for fantasy football. Uh, I do want to get the observational notes. The only one I really want to talk about is breaking down that Dolphins backfield because what we saw is Mostert played eight more snaps than Devon A-Chain. Devon A-Chain had 18 carries. I don't think that's something that's going to actually be a thing moving forward. <laughs> like a lot of, if you, if you watch this game, the running lanes were so wide open. Devon A chain with 18 carries was barely touched. He is somebody I would worry about getting that kind of a workload on a normal basis. Uh, but what, what does stand out to me and what I do think goes moving forward that we need to pay attention to is the fact that he did get that big of a workload that he kind of split the time with Raheem Moster and we're, maybe two weeks away from a possible Jeff Wilson reciting to who, you know, he's not as explosive or as fun as Raheem Moster or Devon a chain, but Mike McDaniel loves him. And we know that he'll get at least some work. So there's a threat that this could be enough of a three man committee where I start to look at Raheem Moster and all I want to do. It's easy to say this is his best game of the year because it was. He had four touchdowns. We know this is going to be his best game of the year, and that's always the time you try to sell people is when it's going to be their best game of the year. That's easy to say, but it's the threat of this potentially becoming a three-man committee, at least a committee with Devon A-Chain potentially moving forward if he actually can hold up with this kind of a workload. I'm just worried about it enough to where if you could package Mostert with something right now or because of this game was so huge, you might even be able to trade him if you need a wide receiver, go get it. You're not going to probably you're probably not going to trade him for an upgrade at running back one for one. Even even if no. it's a, even even if it's a buy low candidate, you're probably not going to do that. But you could package him with somebody, maybe get an upgrade at running back. You could package him with somebody and likely get an upgrade at wide receiver, maybe get a running back for wide receiver one for one. Look for those options. But that is something I'm going to be actively trying to do this week. That's just me. I don't know. It, maybe you see it differently. Well, no, I, I don't see it differently at all, but I, I you don't have to just point. I mean, yeah, this is by far, it's the best game of his career. This is some guy's career is what he did today. <laughs> but listen, it's not just this week you can point to. I mean, last week he had 121 yards and two scores as well. I mean, he has looked good through the first three games here. He's still one of the fastest players, if not the fastest running back in the league. Uh, he's, he's explosive. You can sell, these are selling points that you have to right. talk up in your trade negotiations. This is why you talk about trades with dudes before you just pop off a random ass offer over the interwebs and hope somebody bites the bait. Talk about things with dudes and sell them on Raheem Mostert has 350 yards total in the last two weeks and six touchdowns better than most of the teams in the league. And, and see if you can get somebody to agree with that and bite on that and look for somebody who's running back needy too. Don't be, don't be just trying to toss him to the guy who's got CMC and Correct. Jonathan Taylor on IR and yeah, someone else like sell him to someone who needs a running back. Yeah. And, and you know, it, evaluate your team. If you draft Raheem Moster, you likely draft him to probably be your RB three, RB four in your right. roster. If you're an RB running back needy team, then maybe you don't you don't trade away Raheem Mostert right away. I'm I'm okay with that too. You, know, you got to feel out what kind of situation you're in here. Just letting you guys know. Uh, do you have any other note for this game? No, just right, yeah. So Javante Williams is fun to watch, but he's just not it right now. 
Yeah, we'll have to. I'm hoping that gets better. We'll have to see. We'll keep an eye on that. Let's let's uh let's let's go to our next match. So we got the Chargers, the Minnesota Vikings. This game was not quite as high scoring as I was hoping it would. It actually technically fell two points into the under because the over under was a 54. This wound up being a 52 total, uh, but it was still a game that had, well, frankly, plenty of offense. But let's get to our heroes and zeros, shall we? Heroes and zeros. All right, so my zero for this game has to be one Joshua Kelly. 11 carries for 12 yards. 11 carries for 12 yards against the Minnesota Vikings, who just gave up a career game to DeAndre Swift the week before. So after a illusion first week where he has 16 carries, 91 yards, a touchdown, looks good coming in for Austin Eckler, gets banged up. Since then... He's been absolute trash. Since then, he's been the Joshua Kelly that we have known this entire time. So kind of similar to the A.J. Dillon of it all. Guess what? Prepare to be flushed. You're not a handcuff in my book anymore, and you will not be ranked inside my top 24 anymore, even if Austin Eckler is going to miss. But the good news is Eckler should be back. Do you have a zero for this game? Uh, yeah, my note literally says Kelly, period. He's done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they don't, if, if Austin Eckler doesn't play, they literally don't have a backfield. They should just go five wide, even with Mike Williams possibly being out for, put Johnston out there, put Palmer out there, put Allen out there, put Parham out there, put uh, Everett out there and just let those guys run around. If you really want somebody in the, in the backfield, put that little, what's his name, Darius, or you know, the little tiny guy that they got at receiver, motion him in the backfield, let him pretend to be a running back three times a game. They don't have a backfield unless Austin Eckler's in it. So, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Let's go to our heroes. So, for our heroes here, Keenan Allen is my man on the list. Twenty targets, eighteen receptions, and unlike Puka Nakua, who had that much volume and only went for one hundred twenty-four yards, Keenan Allen went for two hundred and fifteen yards. Oh, and by the way, had a forty-nine-yard passing touchdown to Mike Williams to <laughs> boot it all off just for shits and giggles here. So yeah, Keenan Allen, who I have ranked consistently ahead of the ECR, had him ranked way at the ECR in draft, is definitely my hero for this matchup. Who is yours, Chase? Keenan yeah, Keenan Allen would have been the, the fantasy story of the day had it not been for whatever the hell oh, happened in that Miami game. Uh, what a man. Uh, you know, the guy throwing him the ball had a pretty decent day as well, Herbert, but I think we all pretty much had him ranked in the top 10, top five anyway. So anticipating the fireworks that this game turned out, like you said, not quite as high scoring, but it still was, it was still was an entertaining game and we still got, we still got plenty there. And even with, uh, Alan usurping a touchdown, Herbert had a pretty damn decent day. So, uh, yeah, those are, those are my two heroes there. Yeah. 100% like it will turn down here for the observational notes. So first off, we got to mention Mike Williams hurt his knee and there is, I don't think it's an ACL concern, but there are there is some concern that it's going to be a knee injury that could cost him some time. You know, Mike Williams knee issue just seems to go hand in hand. It sounds like we're going to find out tomorrow on Monday. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, we already know. Who knows? We're going to find out the MRI on Monday exactly what's going on with Mike Williams' knee. So we'll have to watch that in his place. Josh Palmer stepped up. Quentin Johnson stepped up a little bit. Josh Palmer's just been a nice fill in. But he has never really done anything special. Quentin Johnson, I think, will get the opportunity. And those will be your three top receivers. And we'll see how this thing plays out. 
regardless whether Quentin Johnson takes some time to develop or whatever the case may be, it just means Keenan Allen's just going to be lights out. Just as much as he already has been this season, yeah. basically, with Mike Williams out of there. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see exactly what's going on. My other note here is that both of these teams are going to be fantastic for fantasy all year long. Yes. Great offenses with horrendous defenses. Brandon Staley, by the way, got bailed out because defense had to turn over there at the end zone because when he went for and fourth down, I was like, you, you're really about to just do it again. You're really about to do the game again. <laughs> and gets bailed out with the interception late. You can thank his defense for that. But these are two bad defenses, badly coached defenses with two great offenses, and it's just going to be fantastic for fantasy purposes. So what were your yeah, observations? No, yeah, I mean, to your point, Kirk Cousins himself, on a, in a losing effort, 367 yards, three scores. Yeah, he had yeah. the interception. But, I mean, you'll take that. You'll take that from your fantasy quarterback. So these are two teams to, uh, yeah, to chase the points on every week. If you've got them on your roster, look, make sure you're watching who the opposition is as well. But I mean, yeah, like Alexander Madison, I don't necessarily think he's a lock and load every week start. We we all drafted him as such. He hasn't performed as such, but he did have 93 yards today on the, you know, on the ground. He did catch five balls today. Uh, a matchup like this, hell it might be worth it. So, you know, keep an eye on those kinds of things, but yeah, it's going to be fun. And I agree with you, Josh Palmer is, is the guy right now, probably in the short term to be the Mike Williams replacement. Uh, Quentin Johnson, if he's somehow available in your league, which he could be uh, depending on the depth of your league, he's somebody though to be rostered right now because there, there could, there will be a role opening up opposite Keenan Allen, at least in the short term. And we'll see which one of those two guys can take it. Yeah, there's a pretty decent chance. I'm, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to check when I do the waiver wire rankings. It's guys that are have a less than fifty percent threshold right. available. Uh, but there, a lot of people dropped Quentin Johnson last week in redraft league, so there, there's mm-hmm. a chance he might actually be be qualified for that. So we'll have to find out. Uh, let's go to our next match. <laughs> This game's like the dead opposite of everything we've been talking about. We got the Patriots and the Jets here in this one. And uh, let's just get into our heroes and zeros. Heroes and zeros. Patriots, by the way, winning this game in an ugly, ugly fashion. Uh, It was a bad weather game. I get it. You can put pretty much anything on the Jets you want to in the zero column. I put Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson because for me personally, these had to be bad calls. I had Brees Hall as a flex play here as my RB27. I had Garrett Wilson as a wide receiver two at wide receiver 24. And uh, it just wasn't good all the way around. Knowing you're running a risk because of Zach Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. And that's the key. I talked about this chase on, on our, our Operation Domination episode last week. Talk about the fact it's a lot to overcome when you have a problem at quarterback like you do in Zach Wilson and a problem like you do with the offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. It's a lot to overcome, even no matter how special of a talent you are. And that's why I begged you guys to try to take the opportunity to trade away Garrett Wilson while you still could, while you still have value off of two back-to-back touchdown weeks. Now you're stuck. And you might be stuck for a while. Garrett Wilson could go out and have a good week next week. And I still don't think you'd be able to sell him because now everyone has not only seen, they have seen what they fear. And what they have feared is dud performances because of Zach Wilson, because of the offensive scheme. And now they've seen it come to fruition against what is a good defense, but not an elite defense in New England. So, yes, Garrett Wilson, the big zero for me here. Brees Hall, the big zero for me here. The only thing I'll add to Brees Hall is that at least in his case, he did double the snaps on Dalvin Cook. He played well ahead of Michael Carter. So he's starting to establish himself a little bit more in playing time. I have a little more faith he can get his season turned around than Garrett Wilson. 
But unless the Jets go out and get it in a quarterback, this might be just more to come. So what zeros do you have? Oh, I hate it so bad because I love I love Garrett Wilson so much and I love Brees Hall so much. There's such dynamic freaking talents and there should be no way that this thing should be this bad. Um, I've got Hackett and Joe Douglas on my freaking loser zero <laughs> board right now. I agree with you on, on that. It sucks that we, I mean, Garrett Wilson, remember our, what I just said about the Broncos and how I don't want many parts of them. I don't want many shares of them. Unfortunately, right now, the Jets is not a team you want any shares of whatsoever right now in fantasy. I love Brees Hall. Dynasty, hang on to these two young dudes. Hang on over dear life because better things are coming because Zach Wilson will not be there forever. He cannot freaking be there forever. 100%. All right, let's 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 go ahead and switch gears here to our heroes. And it's real short. You want to know why? I have no heroes. <laughs> so I just had to just cut the music. I have Anyone who didn't broadcast this game. <laughs> Any local affiliate that had something oh, else man. on was a winner in, in, in my book here. It was not so a good bad. game. Ezekiel so Elliott did have 80 yards rushing, showed he's he not did. quite dead yet. He did. For like what, five yards of carry or something like that? I mean, yeah, he had, he had like 18. No one's playing him anyway, but he had a live day. He had a living day. A living day. Yeah, my observation is, is look, it was, yes, it was a bad weather game. It was two good defenses with two very bad offenses. And when you get that kind of a mixture, you're usually nine times out of 10 going to be left with not much fantasy value to be had. And that's just simply what it boils down to. I do think, like I said, with Brees Hall, I think there's better days ahead for Brees Hall. The Garrett Wilson thing, like there's better days ahead in the sense of like, he'll have better stat lines, but how consistent will be, I don't know. And even on the New England side, Ramondre, he got 19 carries. You're like that. It was against a tough chest defense, although Zika Ella was a little more productive than he was, but Ramondre still got, you know, majority of snaps, still got all the third down work. He got what you're looking for. You don't care about Patriot receivers. Hunter Henry's disappointing. I did have him my top eight. I could have made him zero two, uh, but it was just it, it was just ugly all the way around. Yeah, I, you remember that that fifty percent uh, or fifty three percent completion we were talking about for uh, Mister Love up in Green Bay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Zach Wilson was was eighteen of thirty six today. That's a that's a dead even fifty percent. That's that's not going to cut it in the NFL, my friend. I'm sorry. Just he can't. He just can't go, be the guy. Go date somebody's mom and. Leave our football team alone. <laughs> Let's get to our next match. Up. The Buffalo Bills take care of business on the road. Win me some money there. Did cash them at the minus, I think it was minus six and a half at one point. Actually, I got them down at minus five and a half earlier in the week. I think it went to six and a half at one point. Either way, it didn't matter. They handled the commanders uh, quite well here. So we can go ahead and talk about our heroes and zeros. Heroes and zeros. First up, our zeros. Okay. My zeros for this game are the Washington receivers, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. And not just because of this game and the mediocre production line they were able to put up because their their quarterback is horrible. Sam Howell, four interceptions today. And yes, he was competent looking the first two weeks. But this is also the first game so far this season that they've played a competent defense. And this is what we got. Sam Howell's not somebody I thought who had franchise talent to begin with. And this was my concern with drafting either one of the commander's receivers this year. People love Terry McLaurin. I always have. People love Jahan Dotson. But I was not about drafting these guys. They were wide receiver three. Well, McLaurin was a wide receiver three for me. Jahan Dotson was a wide receiver four for me in the draft process. Uh, I had him ranked pretty similar heading into this week against Buffalo because I didn't like the matchup at all. And it's just one of those things where I don't know if there are any more value than that at any point this year. So for me, the commander's receivers, 
the big zeros in this one. What were yours? Yeah, well, no, I had Howell down as a zero just because he quite literally got you less than zero, most likely, if uh, according to your scoring, you know, <laughs> yes, scoring format with four interceptions uh, in the game there. Listen, for a guy that's supposed to be a mobile quarterback and has shown that he's a pretty mobile guy and a good and pretty decent runner to get sacked nine damn times, uh, even against the bills. It's pretty rough. Um, that, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can look past that right now in terms of zeros. Yeah. 100%. We can, we can switch to the heroes here. So the heroes for this game, I actually, my note here for heroes is, uh, no one really stuck out as a big hero. Like, I had Svon Diggs ranked as a top six receiver. He had a really good li- line there. I had James Cook ranked as an RB2. He had an RB2 type of line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gay Davis had a flex play because he had the 35-yard touchdown. Like, everyone kind of did what you would expect and project them to do. Uh, even Josh Allen saves his day because he gets the rushing touchdown late. So, yeah, my heroes are everybody on the Buffalo that you wanted to have show up for you, showed up for you, maybe not in the hugest of ways, but in a way that helped you out this week. So good job, guys. Yep. Would you have a more specific hero? No, no. I mean, I, I'm encouraged by James Cook going 15 times for 98 yards. I'm, I'm encouraged by that. But, you know, the, you know, like you said, everybody kind of graded out where they were supposed to and where they probably should have graded out in the, in the game like this. So, yeah, big surprise that one of the top offenses in football had a decent day and everybody got theirs. Yeah. Do you have any observation notes? Because I kind of gave mine when I talked about the commanders receivers. Now, nah, yeah. Buffalo's I, I, not I, as bad as maybe we were afraid they might have been after. Yeah. <laughs> last, they're, they're still good, guys. They're still good. Yes, they're still a, a, a good football team. Yeah, that's, a, a good football team always smashes against the bad one. So that's, that's what you got there. Let's go to our next match. <laughs> Houston Texans upsetting the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game and looking pretty freaking good while doing it too. Uh, that's what was probably the most impressive part about this one. So let's hit those heroes and zeros. Heroes and zeros. All right. So first up, let's talk about these, uh, these, these, the zeros here. So the zeros for me, and I hate myself for this one, I'm not a Nico Collins fan to begin with, but I had to rank him as a top 28 receiver because you've been doing so well. You've been playing a lot of snaps. CJ Stroud been looking good. So I had to rank him as a wide receiver three, even though I didn't want to, because again, I'm not a big Nico Collins fan. I think he's just a dude. Mm-hmm. And then he showed me he was just a dude by getting three targets <laughs> and two catches and 34 yards. I'm like, you are what I thought you were. And I let you off the hook. <sighs> I was, yeah. mad at, I was mad at myself for that one. My other zero, by the way, and I'm going to trust me, Chase, I'm going to rub this in Chris's face when we talk to him on Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> Calvin Ridley. He, he, Chris got the, I gave Chris the exception to do a victory lap after week one. I never should have done it because the last two weeks now, two catches and this week, three catches, 40 yards, the other time, 20 yards and looking like he's rusty. Now, this is not a this, Houston secondary didn't have Derek Stingley. This is not a good Houston no. defense and hmm, still didn't do a whole lot. Chris, I mean, the only guy we've been talking about was Christian Kirk. We'll talk about more about Jacksonville offense and the observational notes part of this. But uh, yeah, Calvin Ridley, Maybe showing you he's not the wide receiver one rolling out of bed after two years that you thought he was after he played a Colts, a bad Colts team. I don't right. know. Yeah, no, this is not your older brother's Houston Texans defense either. I mean, JJ Watt isn't isn't right there on the corner. And like you said, it, they sh- they should have been able to do a little more against them than that. And oh, by the way, then yeah, Christian Kirk comes in and he didn't put up a giant stat line, but 
still, he got his. He caught four or six, 54 yards. He got in the end zone, so he's not going away. Zay Jones out. You would have thought that you'd have seen a little more from Calvin Ridley. We didn't. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm on board with that. And as for Nico Collins, yeah, the Nico Collins breakout that happened last week that 75% of the industry was just so happy about. They can, yeah, calm down, guys. He's a, he's a dude. He's a receiver. He's a professional football player, and that's about it. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's let's go to the heroes here. All right, my hero is Tank Dell. I love me my little Tank Dell, baby. Loved him in Dynasty. Talked him up during the rookie process. I got to rank him pretty. I was ahead. I still didn't have him quite as like a flex play, but I had a heavy ECR heading into this matchup. Seven targets, five catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown, making the back-to-back weeks. He has scored a touchdown. Yeah, I love you, Tank Dell. Who's your hero in this game? No, big time. The, the thing about Tank Dell is, I mean, they, they talked about him all offseason. The coaching staff was talking about how he, oh, he couldn't be covered in practice. And I know we just got done ripping on the Houston defense a little bit. People were like, oh, no kidding, they couldn't cover him. But what you've got here is this, this great marriage now as rookies between the guy who was probably the best pure passer out of the rookie quarterback class, especially among the top draftees there. Get too. And a guy in Tank Dell who can get open and runs routes and just knows how to play his position. Doesn't matter that he's three foot eight. All right, because CJ Stroud can find him. And if he's open, CJ's going to get him the ball. I think they're good for each other. I think that this team is surprising people a little bit with how, how usable they are in fantasy in some places that we maybe didn't expect to see usability. So, yeah, I think Tank Dell is, is right up there for heroes because... Yeah, 100%. Let's face it, it, last week was not a fluke. No, it's not. Uh, He's playing mostly in 11 personnel still, uh, but he only played, I think it was about five less snaps than than, uh, Robert Woods. Still ran about two more routes than he did, and he was right up there with routes run with Nico and Robert Woods and all those guys. And I don't think John Mechie's going to be a thing this year. It would be dumb to bring Noah Brown back in any kind of significant rotation, so I'm not worried about that. So I love him a lot moving forward. Let's let's go to these observational notes here, because I do actually have a couple. Uh, the first one here is Jacksonville. Their play calling will we'll take away, you know, Trevor Lawrence didn't look great. I, I get that. The receivers didn't look necessarily great. Christian Kirk saved his day with, with a touchdown later on in the game. Uh, Travis Etienne, he was he was fine, but maybe not as good as you would hope for when you're playing as a Houston defense that all running backs seem to just go have career days against. Uh, but their play calling just looks like there's no rhythm to it. Doug Peterson looks like maybe he's starting to seep into the old Philly days right before he got fired. Where just, They're not setting themselves up for the next play right now. They're just going out there and they're kind of having Trevor Lawrence just, you know, just you know, go, go make something happen, basically. They're not really doing too many favors. I don't like what I'm seeing right now as this Jacksonville coaching staff. So that, that's my one observational note. My other one is uh, Damian Pierce scored a touchdown to save his day and maybe his name will still have some value amongst people but I want you to go ahead I want you to sell him I want you to sell Damian Pierce off while maybe you can the offensive line is still banged up and one day they'll be back healthy they get two of their guys back after the IR Tunsil might be back around the same time so we are going to have a day where suddenly the Houston offensive line looks a lot better than what it is now but Damian Pierce is just a dude. I'm not impressed by him. And you've had now opportunities against porous deep run defenses and still haven't been able to do much. I just don't know how much better it really gets. I don't think he returns ADP value. If you can trade him on name and the fact that he scored in this one, I would go ahead and do that. So what's your notes for this game? No, I, unfortunately, I think I have to agree with you there. I mean, he just, listen, Devin Singletary is not going away. 
it was more was the more effective runner on five fewer carries today. Uh, yeah, Damian Pierce is a starting running back nominally as a starting running back in the NFL, and as such, he's worth rostering. But yeah, at ADP, where you drafted him to be, you drafted him to be a running back too for you, and he is quickly looking more and more like just a flex and with with threats surrounding him. This looks more and more like a team that should be throwing the ball and should not be necessarily trying to go through the run game because they just don't have the offensive line for it. And they don't necessarily have the, they, they just don't have it right now as a running team. And so, yeah, Hey, we talked earlier about packaging guys. Yeah. You're not, you're not trading even with name recognition. Even if you find somebody who's a Texans fan, you're not trading one up and getting any kind of upgrade with Damian Pierce. But if you can put him in as a package and upgrade yourself across the aisle at, at receiver or something like that, uh, it might be worth looking into doing that. Yeah, let's, let's head to our next match. We had upsets this week, and this was one of them. The Colts upsetting the Baltimore Ravens in overtime, winning this game 22-19. So we have some interesting things to talk about for this one. Come on. Oh, oh, heroes and zeros. Zero you don't want to click it there for a second. All right. Well, that's <laughs> and we're hitting wrong drops left and right. Here we go. All right, let's hit the let's get to the zeros here. So for me, this was a wrong call by me. I thought Rashad Bateman, I had him ranked as a wide receiver 42. I thought he could be a borderline flex play if you play in three receiver leagues. OBJ was out, he was hurt. I know that you know Nelson Aguilar was gonna be mixed in there to some degree, but Rashad Bateman is supposed to have first round draft capital, so supposed to be a young guy coming back. Getting his work in. He's a couple weeks now removed from the injury. He's been practicing, should be in the shape, and nothing came to fruition. He played two less snaps than Nelson Aguilar in this matchup. Came away with three targets for one catch and six yards in a game in which the Ravens had to come back from behind and go to the air. Yeah, Rashad Bateman, sorry, buddy. If you guys were holding on to him, thinking he could be something. Prepare to be flushed. He's done. He's out of there. My other bad call was Zach Moss. Zach Moss, I'm sorry I doubted you. I did not have him inside my top 24. I was below ECR because I thought against playing against any real run defense, I know it was banged up, but still, that Zach Moss would be a nothing because he's been nothing most of his career playing against actual defenses. But 30 carries, 122 yards. What he showed me in this one is that if Jonathan Taylor somehow doesn't play for the Colts again this year, the volume Zach Moss is going to get, you can go ahead and keep playing at least as a flex play of non-RB2. So those are my two zeros, wrong calls by me. What you have in this game, Chase? No, I, I'm going to have to – I'm right there on the on the Bateman wagon with you. I'm not going to say Bateman train because that train is derailed completely. Remember coming into the season, how we all were – oh, well, the Ravens are supposed to throw more, and they're going to throw more, and Rashad Bateman's going to be a thing because he's supposed to be a thing, and he was supposed to be their number one, and we all thought he would be, and we thought Zay Flowers would be kind of, you know, fun to watch and fun to watch develop. Zay Flowers is the only Zay Flowers and Mark Andrew are the only two ownable pieces of this past game right now in terms of you know any any kind of consistency whatsoever. Um, you know, I just yeah, I don't want to, I don't care about Buckham when he comes back because he's just he's not it in this offense. And I'm yeah, Bateman Bateman is flushable in every context right now. He's he's clearly fourth. 4.5th uh, option on their team right now for pass attack. And it's just, yeah, it's not pretty. So yeah, yeah no, I'm right there with you. It's not, it's not, 
Um, I'll play the hero music, but I really didn't have any heroes in this game. Like Lamar Jackson gets the hundred yards rushing, two touchdowns, so he gets to keep Great game, yeah. Yeah, he gets to keep his value. I had but I already had him ranked as a top five quarterback. Right. So he did kind of what he was supposed to do. And outside of that, I mean, Zay Flowers had a lot of catches. Uh didn't do a whole lot with the ball, but didn't hurt you either. Same thing kind of with Michael Pittman, a lot of catches, but didn't hurt you. Go ahead. Did expect more passing, more from Lamar passing in this game, though, Agreed. versus this Colts secondary. Expected better than 22-31 for 202 yards and not, not throwing a touchdown. I expected better than that out of him in the past game. But anytime my quarterback wants to run for 101 yards and two scores, I'll I'll give him a, you know, yeah, so we'll give Lamar a hero for that, but that does work into my observational note here, which is why I want to cut the music. So yeah, uh, I'm not impressed with Todd Mocking, and, and and you know I, I wasn't a big Todd. I haven't Mocking been <laughs> I'm coming in, so I, yep. I'll admit it right away. I'm not a Todd Mocking guy coming into this whole process, but uh, I'm also not been impressed with him either. You had a a sloppy win against the Houston Texans. You put up 25 points, just just kind of cuz. Uh, last week, last week was solid against Cincinnati Bengals. That was not that was a formidable defensive opponent. Yes, their offense is not clicking well over there in Cincinnati right now either, but you did put up 27 points against a divisional opponent who's a solid team. That was solid. But then you had today we had the Indianapolis Colts might be the worst defense they played the whole time. They can only put up 19 points and Lamar's passing numbers look okay, but this offense really hasn't looked that great. I haven't seen much creativity. You've gotten the ball to Zay Flowers. You've kind of gotten the ball to Mark Andrews. And today was the first day that Lamar Jackson really was that good running on the ground because, well, frankly, kind of had to be because nothing else was really working. I don't know. I haven't been that impressed with Todd Mock and what I've seen out of this offense. No, no, they definitely, I mean, weak opponent at home. To come out and completely be yeah lackluster like that, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what they're supposed to do, but that's you know that's not my job. My job is to talk about it afterwards and before the fact. It's not necessarily to plan. I don't have to game plan. That's Todd's job. And he, right now, it doesn't appear that they're doing a very good job of that. Uh, yeah, 19 points is weak. Uh, do you have Do you have any other observation no, though? No, <laughs> I didn't think so. That pretty much was what the game was going on there. Uh, let, let's go to our next match. <laughs> So we got Carolina and Seattle. Seattle taking care of business, 37-27. to 27. Game on up being a little higher scoring than I was anticipating. So let's go ahead and get into our heroes and zeros. Heroes and zeros. Zero, thank you, zero. All right. First up, my zero has to be Tyler Lockett, who I have ranked inside my top 20 heading into this game. J.C. Horn being out. I thought both Metcalf and Lockett would be able to eat in this game. And he only had seven targets for three catches and 34 yards. So I had to eat it on Lockett. Who is your zero in this one? Uh, Hayden Hurst, I thought we'd get more than one catch on three targets out of him. Yeah. No. Oh, come on, dude. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. We can switch this right over to the heroes and here. Not a, poor, not a poor passing game. Not a poor no. passing game from Andy Dalton. No, at not at all. In fact, one of the but yeah, Hayden Hurst is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of his beneficiaries is my hero, Adam Thielen. 14 yes. targets, 11 catches, 145 yards, a touchdown. I actually had him ranked five spots ahead of ECR once we got the confirmation that Bryce Young was going to be out and Andy Dalton was going to be in. If you have Adam Thielen, 
Really, if you have any of these pass catchers, you probably would prefer to see Andy Dalton out there. Oh, and by the way, next week, they play the Minnesota Vikings, and it is an expectation <laughs> that Andy Dalton is going to be out there. So fire up Adam Thielen as a flex play next week because he might actually get the ball in a revenge game on top of all of it. So that's definitely my hero for this game. What was yours? No, hell yeah. I, I had Thielen right there at the top of the list. Actually, DJ Chark had a, had a decent game as well there. Uh, Miles Sanders, hey, he didn't have a ton of counting stats in terms of his yardage, but he did catch five balls. He did, you know, he did score the touchdown on the ground. They still are going to run that offense through him. I agree with you completely that if you own a Panthers pass catcher, right now Dalton is probably your better bet in terms of, he's better for you in terms of getting these guys the ball. Bryce Young is still developing as a passer. We've seen that. Uh, and that's going to happen. And long-term, that's probably better for everybody's interests too. If Bryce, you know, if Bryce can play and, and, get in there but not all of us are playing the long game we're playing week to week and trying to win every week and if you're uh, if you're owning adam thielen if you're owning dj chark you probably do want andy dalton in there and hey uh andy dalton here depending on how this thing with bryce young shakes out and depending on how the season breaks out um and there, there are worse guys to have to go to than andy dalton in the case of you know hey you need a streamer for the week depending on the matchup depending on the matchup but there are worse guys to go through for a streamer or if you're in a super flex league and need a guy to fill in for a, for a bye week or whatever else. Uh, hey, the man can still play football. He's a professional football player. He's yeah, not a I'll superstar. He's a, professional, he's a professional quarterback, and that's what you need. Yeah, and I'll say it again. They play the Minnesota Vikings next weekend. Uh, so we get to our observational notes here, and uh, Kev Walker continues to look like a stud. So he's, he's tremendous. You keep playing him, obviously, but... Zach Charbonnet is gaining more and more work mm-hmm. every single week. In fact, only had eight less snaps than Kenneth Walker in this one. Handled all the two-minute drill. Start is pretty much taking over now completely on the third down and long situations. So I don't think it'll be long. We're not quite at the point yet, but I don't think it'll be long before Zach Charbonnet is actually a flex play, potentially, especially in full-point PPR leagues moving forward, not just a high-end handcuff. And on the opposite side, my other note was Miles Sanders saves his day with a touchdown, mm-hmm. but it's really just nothing more than a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 within this offense. Chuba Hubbard still eating into more of the work than you would like to see as a Miles Sanders owner. I just think you're going to get the Miles Sanders you've always gotten in years past and not a whole lot more than that. I know people had higher hopes with upside because of the potential of his volume workload heading into this year. I don't see that come to fruition in this one. So what were your notes for this game? No, yeah, yeah I, I'm going to chime in on that Charbonnet. No, this might be, yeah, your time to buy on him. If you, if you want to try to get a hold of Great. him is running out because if he has any kind of game at all in the next week or two, if he scores at all, uh, dudes are going to just, they're going to clutch him to their chest and never let him go. So you want to jump on that while he, uh, you know, while he still hasn't gotten in the end zone or what, you know, while he's still clearly behind, if you just look at the stat sheet, he's clearly behind Kenneth Walker, jump on that. And this might be your last opportunity to do that. The one over Sun agree. Let's go to our next match. <laughs> An absolute blowout by the Kansas City Chiefs over the Chicago Bears. Not that we weren't expecting a blowout. The, the line was minus 13, so everybody was telling it was going to be a blowout. But uh, uh, the Bears look like they never even had a chance. So let's get into our heroes and zeros. Heroes and zeros. Okay, this should come as no surprise. I, like many people, had Justin Fields ranked inside my top eight at the quarterback position. He went 11 of 22 
for 99 passing yards. Didn't even get over 100. One passing touchdown, one interception, and 47 rushing yards. It was horrible. We say I was I was saying all week this organization looks like it's in complete disarray. Thought maybe against Kansas City, their offense could find some sort of spark because you know it's Kansas City and their defense is not the greatest in the world. It, it, it didn't matter. This team is hitting a whole new low right now, and I don't know what to expect heading next. I don't even know if we can call Justin Fields a sure start moving forward anymore, and that's blowing my mind in and of itself. So Justin Fields, a big zero for me in this one. What do you got? Yeah, they continue to prove in Hallis Hall that they have no clue what they're doing from a coaching standpoint whatsoever. Um, my other zero here was uh, just Darnell Mooney because he gave you quite a literal zero there. Um after looking like he was still a usable fantasy piece there for a while. And I, you know, he's still a talented player, but with this offense just being such a cluster, you know, what and a half uh, there's just, there's no way to use anybody outside of outside of DJ Moore right now. There's no way to use anybody with, and there's no way to use anybody with any certainty, unfortunately. Yeah, no, 100%. Let's go ahead and switch this over to our, our heroes. And, uh, my note is every fantasy asset on the Chiefs came through for you. And it came through for you in three quarters. Travis Kelsey with his stat line, his touchdowns, and his points that he was able to get. Uh, we had by Pach Mahomes had what three touchdowns in three quarters worth of work. Isaiah Pacheco came through with 60 yards and a touchdown. Everything you needed came through for you on that one. Good. Do you want do you want to know how? observant and just just how well Patrick Mahomes sees the field in his post-game interview he said that he saw that Taylor Swift was in the house and knew he had to get one to Kelsey not that he didn't know he had to get one to Kelsey anyway but the man sees everything happening in the stadium <laughs> he's the guy you gotta love that can I throw a bonus zero and I know this will lead you into one of your observational notes here I'm gonna throw a bonus zero up to Clyde Edwards Alaire for crashing the gall darn party Clyde why do you have to still be part of anything? Why are you still in on this? I'm I'm so disappointed to see Clyde Edwards-Alaire taking away points from Isaiah Pacheco and from uh, from Jarek McKinnon. Neither one of those guys should be losing points to CEH, but yet here they are continually losing points to CEH. Um, so I know that's I know that's in on one of your observational notes. But who invited that dude to the party? Get out of here! Get out of here, Clyde! Yeah, that's, it's just making it rough because it's making it a three-man committee for absolutely no reason what whatsoever, man. So, uh, yeah, uh, with, we'll, we'll get into that in just a second here. In fact, we can just go ahead and, and, and get into that now. So, yeah. um, you know, with, with that, again, you're, like you said, you're, it's making a three-man committee, and you have Jared McKinnon who's backing that up. And I, I Jared McKinnon, look, I thought maybe he could be something like from what he was last year. And those two touchdowns he got, man, they were just – they were a flat-out fluke. Like, there's, there's just no other way around it. Just a straight flat-out fluke. Today and, is today is why I loved, I loved Jer- today and the last, like, say, month of last season are why I loved Jarek McKinnon and grabbed him in best ball because you're never going to be able to pick out these weeks for Jarek McKinnon. Over the first three weeks of the season, we've seen that. He's been absolutely nothing until today. He gets, like you said, a couple of two-gift touchdowns. But that's great in best ball. I didn't have to freaking you know, play the calculus and, and slide the, the bar around and try and figure out if he was going to do that today. But uh, yeah, CEH getting in there just jerks it all up the more for Isaiah Pacheco. So that we just, we have no way of knowing, you know, how this backfield is really going to come together other than knowing that 
in my opinion, that Pacheco is the, the lead of the thing, but how much does he lose every week to the other two guys? Yeah, no, one, one, 100%. Uh, so, so now you have that problem in your hand. I do think that affects Pacheco moving forward, yeah. uh, especially with Clouds Lair getting involved because now he'll be more involved on Pacheco's turf, uh, even though Pacheco will still get the first crack at it, but I think that makes him no more an RB3. Uh, and in Chicago, just the disarray of it all is absolutely insane. The only silver line, I guess, is that you've been holding on to Roshan Johnson He's closing that gap more Should and be. more. He only played about five less snaps than Khalil Herbert did in this matchup. Did have one more touch than he did. I wouldn't be surprised if starting next week, we see Roshan Johnson sort of take over this backfield. They're talking about how the fact that because he can do it all and they haven't been that in love with Khalil Herbert, that we might see Roshan Johnson not only become the lead back like Khalil Herbert has been, but maybe actually become a workhorse back as the season wears on. So that's the one silver lining I can give you for the Chicago Bears. Just keep your eyes out on. Uh, other than that, though, that's 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 about it. I don't know. Do you have anything else for this game? Yeah, I, right now, like we said, until and unless that happens, you can't play anybody in that backfield with any confidence from week to week. And and honestly, DJ Moore, I love him as a player, but until there's more consistent play from the quarterback, he's going to be a complete mercurial up and down, high ceiling, high floor guy week to week too. So. If you want to ride the volatility wave, go for it. But there's nobody you can use with any confidence in Chicago right now. Yeah, 100%. Let's go to our next match. And it is actually our last matchup. Another upset. The Arizona Cardinals beat the Dallas Cowboys 2016. How freaking glorious oh, was that? Wow. Oh, man. Lovely. Listen, if you're a Jets fan or a Giants fan, I think this made you feel even worse. <laughs> okay. Wait, 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 wait. The Cardinals beat the Cowboys. What on they do? This. What the like, Oh, yeah. I just think it made you feel a million times worse. So let's let's get in our heroes and zeros here. Heroes and zeros. Zero, All right. First up on our zero list right now. I had to put CeeDee Lamb up there. When you're playing against the Arizona Cardinals and you wind up in a game script where the Dallas Cowboys had actually come back from behind, I think you would have thought the CeeDee Lamb would do what he's supposed to do and, well, be a top five wide receiver. But nope, seven targets, four catches, 53 yards. And what's probably our real you know, problem here, we'll talk about that in the observational notes in just a second. The other one's a wrong call by me. And that was James Conner. I was four spots lower than the ECR when it came to James Conner. He had 14 carries, 98 yards, and a touchdown against the Dallas Cowboys. I did not think he would find that much success in this matchup. I had him ranked as a flex play rather than RB2. So I'm just going to say, bad my me forever doubting James Conner and his volume. What was your zeros to this game? Uh, Zach Ertz, two catches, two targets, six yards. Ouch. Yeah. When he been, when he had been he he had been he had led the league in tight end targets over the first two weeks. There was no reason to think that shouldn't continue. He he had been the most consistent part of that offense and that Josh Dobbs, I use the word led loosely, but led offense. Uh and yet today comes out and lays a complete egg in a game that they that they won. Who yeah. would have thought? So that's mine. Yep, no, I like that one. Let's go to our let's go to our heroes. Uh, this is more so a right call by me than this guy was actually any good. I was lower than ECR, and Dak Prescott had him on the bubble as well. Not you should even play him. I was more worried about the game scripts 
than I thought about him not playing well. But I haven't liked what I've seen out of Dak Prescott the previous two weeks coming into this game. He doesn't seem like he's rigging the field all that well, despite the weapons. He's just getting it to his go-to guys, and that's it. But he doesn't look that comfortable. He looks like the same Dak Prescott who's been making all kinds of mistakes lately, and more so in this game. 25 of 40, 248 yards. He had a touchdown interception, 24 yards on the ground. And now we have three weeks in a row where Dak Prescott really was not fantasy startable if you're in 10, 12-man leagues. So you know what? I, I've been on that bandwagon. I don't think Dak Prescott is worthy of a start play. He's only a flex tier. That's it, in my opinion. What was your hero for this game? Uh, we don't normally talk about this position a whole hell of a lot, but Matt Prater was perfect on his kicks today and popped off another 60-plus yarder. Yeah. Uh, he's on a losing team. It's a team that we all thought would be the worst in the league. Uh, and they are still probably one of the worst in the league. But hey, this is why you don't always just assume that the top, that the kickers for the top offenses are going to be your top kickers in fantasy. This is a guy on an offense that is going to stall out, that he's going to have to get kick, uh, kick targets. And hey, if they get the ball past the 50, the dude's got a shot at cracking it and they're going to give it to him. Right now, he's your kicker five overall right there for an offense that we all thought was going to be a complete and total dud. Um, yeah, Matt Prater today scoring 10 points and popping another 60-plus yarder. You know, I'll, I'll give a kicker a hero for a, for a, for a day. Yeah, you know what? I like that. Kickers need a little bit of love, too, sometimes. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about those observational notes. So, yeah, I, maybe the Cowboys' defense had their balloon deflated when they lost Trayvon Diggs during practice with the ACL injury. Maybe that played some sort of mental, emotional you know, role on them heading into this game against the Arizona Cardinals. It's really the only explanation I can come up with because even without Trayvon Diggs, this defense should be good enough to where they completely shut down a porous, talent-wise Arizona Cardinal offense, and, and that this didn't happen. So, I get Chase, let me ask you this question, actually. Is Dallas just not as good as we thought now, or, or what here? It's just, just a letdown game. You're just not going to think of anything more of it. I mean, it's a letdown game, but, I mean, yeah, they really haven't played a whole hell of a lot of anybody to, to write home about yet. Um, I think I don't know if we'll – I don't know if we've seen the real – Dallas team. I think we have to wait until they actually play somebody that that's worth their salt before we can make a judgment one way or another. Like you said, uh, you know, they got the, the terrible news this week about Trevon Diggs. Uh, they haven't really played anybody. They maybe played down to their opponent a little bit today, or maybe looked past them a little bit because I think nobody expected Arizona to be this good. This, uh, this Arizona team actually has a defense folks. Um, and Jonathan Gannon has, you know, for as much as I kind of ripped on him last week as well, this team was ready to play today and they played tough and they came out of there with a win against the team that is, that is by all accounts, uh, they were 12, a, a playoff contender. Yeah. 12 point underdogs. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. It's, it's absolutely insane. It does happen in the NFL. Though. 12 point given, underdogs and they come, they turn that completely on its head. Any, any, any given Sunday, uh, just by, by the way though, Cowboys, they play the Patriots next week. And then the week after that, they have a Sunday night matchup with the San Francisco 49ers. So we'll find out real fast who they are. That 49ers game will be the first game they play anybody that really should be a test for them. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that we've seen, I don't know that we've seen the real Dallas team yet. I hope, I hope we haven't kind of from a fantasy standpoint and from a, you know, from a, just a competitive standpoint, I'm not a Cowboy fan. I love seeing them lose today, but uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, we'll see. We'll see. 
My other note here is that this is the second week in a row that Tony Pollard had plus 20 carries, um, which is great for fantasy-wise. This is what you wanted to see. There's not a lot of competition behind him. This is the whole idea like Tony Pollard maybe could be a bell cow and get that kind of a workload. Uh, just now that we're actually seeing him do it, I worry how much longer he's going to hold up. I, I don't know. Maybe my my concern shouldn't be warranted. I don't know. What do you think, Chase? No, I, I yeah, I don't necessarily want to see him handle the ball that many times. Uh, interesting too, in a game that they trailed when he's, uh, when he has been such a pass catching threat for them that they only given three targets, yeah. uh, you know, negative one yard receiving today on three catches. That's, that's not a recipe for the Dallas Cowboys to do well. They need to, they need to actually have him be productive in that pass receiving role. But that's again, Hey, you got big Mike McCarthy calling plays. Everybody was all excited the first two weeks because they won against the jets and the giants. Um, like I said, run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, punt. That's kind of your, that's the script for Mike McCarthy. Um, I, I'm hoping they're not pounding Tony Pollard into the ground. And I'm, and because I'm honestly, too, if you're a Cowboy fan, I know Deuce Vaughn's been like, little Deuce Vaughn has been fun to watch and everything. And Rico Dowdle is, you know. Yeah, they're cute. Yeah, they're cute. yeah. But they're not, yeah. <laughs> they are not going to, they're not going to win any football games for you, folks. No, not at all. Um, do you have any other observational notes for this game or no? Cowboys lost. <laughs> Let's get it done. I like it. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Remember, we're going to be on Tuesday. We'll drop our waiver wire rankings, and that'll be on X at Billy MDFF Show or MDFF Show everywhere else. So Instagram, Facebook, Threads, TikTok, MDFF Show, YouTube, all of that MDFF Show there. So make sure you look out for that. We'll be back on Wednesday at 9.30 for our Operation Domination episode. It'll be the complete and utter week four, already in the week four, preview there coming up on Wednesday night and on Thursday, 9.30. Well, Brian Scott on from the Injured List podcast, talk about all the injuries going on and Chaz Flaherty from Sports Betting Weekly to cap off the week to cash some tickets. So that's what we got coming up. Make sure you follow us. Give us a subscription on YouTube. Hit the bell notification. Download us on your favorite podcast app. Uh, Chase, you got anything you want to add here? Where we can follow you? Yep. Find me on uh, Twitter, X, Twix, SDT Chase, FFB. You can reach out to me there. You got start sit questions. You got trade questions. You got fantasy football questions. I, I generally do a pretty good job of getting back to people on there. I try to be an active follower there too as well. Uh, and hey, yeah, catch us on Wednesday. Catch us Wednesday night. You don't want to miss that. That's that's when we bring it. That's our big episode there. So we'll see you guys all then. Everybody take care and good luck on your Monday night matchups. Yeah.